Hello, and thank you for joining us for this teaching from Pennington AG Church Online. We are finishing a series on Jonah today and teaching on the fourth chapter of a four-chapter Old Testament book. You can see any of our three other teachings from the series on YouTube or on our podcast. Follow along and get the whole breadth of the story. As we are looking at what God does through the prophet Jonah and for the people of Nineveh, we are also using this Old Testament book to help guide us in how we read the entirety of Scripture. And as we allow God's holy book, his collection of scriptures, to guide and form our lives, we rest in the knowledge that the Bible is a unified story, both human and divine, that leads to Jesus. Let's see where we see this and how Jonah fits into it today in chapter 4. Overview of Jonah. It's an Old Testament book, but it's not prophetic. Only one chapter is poetic. Most of the book is narrative. It's a prophetic book about a prophet. It is a very fantastical book that teaches a dark truth about human nature and a beautiful reality about God's character. As we look at the heart of the story, we've learned a few things so far. Number one, as we read the Bible, Jesus is the hero of the story of all of scripture, not us. And so when we read the scriptures, we look to God as the hero and see ourselves often as the villain or the victim. Number two, God is a God of second chances and God will meet you wherever you are, find you. You could be running from his call and purpose in your life. You could be a murderous, evil people group, but God still desires a relationship with you to extend his grace and mercy. Three, obedience beats sacrifice. Be obedient to what God has called. You're not sure what the next step is? Be obedient to what you've seen in scripture and where you've followed along to this point. We want to make grand gestures of sacrifice. God just wants us to be obedient to how he's made us. And lastly, God is a God of second chances. We see second chances for the Ninevites. We see multiple chances for Jonah along the way. And that same truth applies to our lives today. And let's get to Jonah. Jonah is a story of a prophet running, a prophet thrown overboard, a prophet swallowed, a prophet spit out, a prophet preaching, and then the people he preaches to repenting. One pastor says, this story of Jonah has everything, repentance, redemption, and regurgitation. It covers all the big R's. And as we close out the story of Jonah today, we're going to see it draw into the gospel story of grace and mercy from Jesus Christ and why often we struggle with that truth. In short, the story of Jonah teaches us God can do anything for anyone, anywhere, at any time, through anything he chooses. If you're new to church stuff or new to watching even videos and watching this preaching series and maybe you don't watch a lot of sermons, God can use you. Where you are right now, absolutely, you take one step forward and God will be with that with you. If you have great talents or if you've messed up terribly, if you're tired or if you're struggling in any way, shape, or form, God can use you, has a plan to use you, and if you are obedient, absolutely will work with you and through you. God can do anything for anyone, anywhere, anytime, through anything he chooses. This morning, we are closing with the fourth chapter of Jonah. And if you think Jonah has been wild already, the fourth chapter is the quirkiest and weirdest of the entire story of Jonah. At the end of chapter three, we see Jonah 
preach finally to the Ninevites and they repent huge. Even their animals have to repent and put on sackcloth and sit in ashes and fast, crazy. And then we see Jonah respond. How does Jonah feel about this in chapter four? He's gonna celebrate, right? God has shown grace and mercy to 100,000 people. That's beautiful. And we should be excited about that. Not how Jonah responds. Let's see how he responds. But first, let's get the context. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. After Jonah preaches, it says this. When God saw all of what the Ninevites had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, Jonah's response in chapter 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. He said, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. And so we can make excuses for Jonah that he didn't want to go to Nineveh because maybe he was afraid of losing his life because they're violent. Um, and oppressive people. We can make excuses for Jonah because he didn't want to travel there, the distance for it, leaving Israel. But Jonah actually reveals the reason he didn't want to is because of evil in his heart. He didn't want these people to be saved. He didn't want God to show mercy and grace to the Ninevites. And even more so, it shows that Jonah has a problem with the very nature of the God that he serves. God, I suspected or I knew a part of who you are and I don't like it. Jonah is rejecting a very characteristic and essence of Yahweh. In fact, Jonah actually here is partially quoting from Exodus 34 verses 6 through 7 that God reveals himself to Moses and the Israelites as he's bringing about the Ten Commandments and he says to Moses what his character is and one of his aspects of character is full of mercy and compassion. Over a dozen times this is quoted in these Old Testament books and Jonah quotes it and doesn't like who the God is he serves. And so he responds, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Jonah says, I'd rather be dead than see you be merciful to these people. He's truly lost. The Lord replies to him, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under it as he waited to see what would happen to the city. So he goes out and he pouts. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over the head of Jonah, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So he goes out to Mope, sits in the desert. God, out of his grace and mercy, Jonah doesn't deserve it. God brings a plant to shelter Jonah. But then God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, 
Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Do you see the symmetry? Is it right for you to be angry about my mercy? Is it right for you to be angry about me not having mercy on you in this moment? And Jonah doesn't quite learn and he says, yes, yes, it's right for me to be angry right now, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? This story is dark. Jonah ends on a dark note. We think about Jonah as a fantastical story of fish and storms and great cities. But in the end, it's a story about a small, bitter man, angry that God would show mercy on people who don't deserve it. He says, I would rather die than see these people receive your grace. I would rather you kill me than people who I believe I am better than have received things that I believe I've earned and then you give it to them freely. Jonah's central problem in the entirety of the book is now revealed. He believes salvation from God is something that is earned whether it's by your ethnicity or whether it's by your calling or your actions, he believes God's grace and mercy is earned. And he believes the Ninevites and their moment of repentance is not enough to earn God's grace and mercy. What we see is Jonah worshiping not God as he is, but God as he wants him to be. And we can ask ourselves this question too. Who is the God that we want him to be? How do we want God to look and act and respond? Oftentimes, we want him to act and respond a lot like ourselves. What we do and what Jonah has done is that we don't outright say we want God to be different than he is, but we just subtly read the scriptures and pray to God in subtle ways to shift him to be more amenable to our weaknesses, struggles, fears, and hatreds. And one of the things we learn in this final chapter, it is upsetting when God shows himself to be different than we expected. It's upsetting when he breaks the box we've put him inside of. It's upsetting when he shows himself to be of different character than we wanted. An ancient parable says, in the beginning, God created man in his image and mankind has spent the rest of time returning the favor. We try to make God into the image of what we want him to be. And all of our personal convictions, we then impose on God as God's convictions. I pray early in the morning. Thus, God must be a God that values early morning prayer more than any other time. I like violent movies. Thus, God must not be bothered by violence. And then when we're faced with hard scriptures that challenge our understanding of God or challenge our way of living, like the love of money is the root of all evil. We have to evaluate what we spend on and how much money we have and what we hoard with it and what we spend it on. Or turn the other cheek and don't respond to someone else's attack by punching back or fighting back or fighting for yourself at all. Don't participate in crude joking, jokes that tear other people down. This is a tough one for me and a scripture that I often try to read quickly through. When we face difficult moments of letting go, we have three options. Either I change myself, Jonah changes who he is, 
becomes less racist, less self-righteous than he is, or I change my perception of God and I try to change who he is. No, God's not really saying that. The scriptures shouldn't be read like that. Or three, we just get angry. Angry that God is the way that he is. Angry that he doesn't reward us the way we want to be and doesn't punish others the way we believe they deserve to be. This is the route that Jonah takes. Looks at God straight in the eye and says, I see who you are and I don't like it. But like Jonah, we have an option to choose to respond differently. Jonah chooses poorly and we have an option to choose in a way that brings freedom. When God subverts your expectations of who he is, you can either become angry or you can become free. Free from control. Free from building boxes and structures. Free from figuring out the puzzle. God, I thought you healed all things, but in this moment, you're not responding the way I'm praying, and I don't know how to understand that. God, I thought your forgiveness covered all sins, but I'm feeling convicted in this moment and I need to repent and confess, but I thought you already forgave me. I need to rethink how your mercy works. God, I know you made me better than everybody else with the body of Samson and the sensitivity and artistic nature of David, but it seems like this other person is being favored and you're working gifts through them. God, I know you told Peter that he can go and eat all things, but I've been eating exclusively cheesecake and I'm getting pretty tired. We can, in moments where we realize we are wrong and we realize God is bigger than the categories we've put him in, accept it as an instance to be free. We may not admit it, but each of us creates a box of expectations that we put God in. You work this way. You must respond positively and instantaneously to my prayers. You must fix and forgive every single mistake I make immediately. You must punish people to the degree I believe they deserve to be punished. And then God messes it all up by doing something outside of the box we've made. Jonah is learning a lesson here we've already discussed about biblical interpretation. God is not a puzzle to be solved, but a person who invites us into his story. And we are not made to master God, but we are made to sit in his presence. And in God's presence, I may not understand how he works, but I can be in awe of the grand scope of who he is. Jonah sits in this moment and he becomes angry that God doesn't choose the Israelites over everybody else. And that God doesn't reward Jonah differently because he's a prophet and because he's an Israelite and because he served God differently than the Ninevites. The Ninevites get what Jonah already has, and he's mad. And he can sit there and be mad about it, or he can sit and wonder that the God that he serves in Israel is the same God that has power over the Assyrians. And the God that loves and forgives him, even though he's disobedient and cruel, is also the same God that loves disobedient, cruel Ninevites. And he can sit and wonder and say, God, you are so much bigger than I realized you were. God, you are so much more loving than I had appreciation for. And wow, let me sit under your wonder and see the size and scope of who you are. This is the option of what we have when God breaks our expectations. To sit in freedom of we don't have to understand it all. We don't have to have systems for every way that God works. I can sit in awe of the grace and mercy, the depth of how he loves, and the scope of who he is. God can do anything for anyone, anywhere, 
anytime through anything he chooses. And one of the great truths we see at the end of this book is that God's mercy is something that the humble celebrate and the proud resent. We see this in the story Jesus teaches about the prodigal son, or more so, the prodigal sons. One son who is disobedient takes his inheritance and wastes it, and another son who's done everything right, but then is resentful that his father would show forgiveness, mercy, and grace to his younger brother. Jonah says, I knew that you were merciful, and I don't like it. I know that you're unfair, and that you don't always punish sin, but sometimes you're gracious, and I don't like it. Jonah, at the end of this chapter, there's a funny little story. So Jonah preaches to the Ninevites. They respond powerfully, and then God responds to their repentance and confession and shows mercy. Jonah doesn't appreciate God's mercy and how he's shown it to the Ninevites, so he pouts, and he goes out into the desert and sits under the sun to be mad about it. God creates a leafy plant to go up over Jonah's head and protect him from the sun. Jonah loves that God has done this. Then God cuts that plant out with a worm and then brings up scorching sun and wind to throw sand at Jonah. And Jonah whines and moans and asks God to kill him. And then we have Jonah 4 and the last two verses. Then the Lord said to Jonah, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And the story ends. This is a story that ends without redemption. Jonah's story ends much like the rich young ruler. We don't know how he responds afterwards. We can see the character of Jonah throughout and probably... He doesn't respond well, but we don't know this. Hopefully, he repented and sees God's mercy and and grew in his knowledge of God, but we don't know. What we do know is Jonah resents God's grace being shown to people he believed didn't deserve it. And he's mad that God is not taking care of him in a way he believes he deserves. Jonah's mad that his life is hard, and it's hard because of his own choices. Think about the story like this. Jonah walks out into the desert and sits alone in the scorching sun, away from a city that he just preached to, who responded fantastically to his sermon and then had God's grace shown to them. Jonah doesn't need to leave the city and sit out in the desert. He probably could have stayed in the city and people would have treated him like a king, like like a great preacher. They would have honored him. He could have eaten meals and stayed in their homes. But he's resentful and he's bitter. And he goes out to pout. They don't deserve God's forgiveness, he says. And then God gives Jonah something he doesn't deserve. A small plant, a small token of God's relief to a man who doesn't deserve it. And when it's removed, Jonah goes nuclear. He's furious that God has taken this away from him. And God speaks to Jonah and says, You're upset at this moment of inconvenience in your life, but you are not upset that over 100,000 people would die by my hand. You were glad that a leaf covered you in shade. You were glad that your God was taking care of you in a small moment of convenience. But you were mad when God took care of the eternity of the lives of other people. 
Matthew chapter 20, Jesus shares a similar story to this. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, it's a parable called the parable of the vineyard. And in the story, Jesus shares about the owner of a vineyard who's recruiting people to work for the harvest. And in the morning, he recruits a bunch of men and he agrees to a set wage for them and they agree to work that for the day. Great. Later in the afternoon, when the day is almost ending, there's a few hours left, he hires more people and he agrees to a wage that is the same as the wage of the people in the morning. And at the end of the day, he pays them all. And they're all in line and he's paying them all exactly the same. And the people who made the arrangement in the morning go, hey, this isn't fair. I can't believe you're paying them the same amount you paid me and I worked five hours more than they did? That's not fair wages. What, how do you work like this? And he said, how is it unfair? I'm paying you the wage we agreed upon and I'm paying them the wage they agreed upon. They said, the problem is I deserve more than they do. And here's the truth about being human. We rarely care if we have little or if we have a lot. We only begin to care when we see that someone else has a different amount than us, that someone else has more. I can have a busted down old flip phone in my hand for my whole life and be happy with it. I can make calls, I can text people with it. Maybe sometimes I can play a little game where I'm a snake and I get slightly bigger on the screen and I'd love it. I'd be in wonder at the technology and how I'm able to connect with everybody and somehow satellites take my voice around the world. But then if I see somebody else with a smartphone able to take videos and photos and connect with all their apps and social media and do all of this on their wrist and everything's connected, all of a sudden I hate my phone. We don't resent what God has given us. We resent that he's given someone else something more. We resent when he's given someone grace and mercy that we feel like only we deserve. The truth of the story of Jonah is that Jonah doesn't understand God's grace. Jonah believes in a God that works on earning and works itself. God has shown me grace and mercy because of the people group I'm from. God has shown me grace and mercy because of the life I've lived. God has shown me grace and mercy because of my calling as a prophet. And these people haven't earned what I've earned. They're not called the same way I'm called. And I resent that they have done way less than I've done and God has shown them the same grace and mercy. This is the essence of the gospel for us. This is what Jesus Christ comes and teaches us. That grace and mercy from God, forgiveness and love from our creator is not earned by any of us. It is a free gift of the grace and mercy of our God lived and died and reborn in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says it like this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We can't earn the grace of God. Some of us may be Christians now for decades or for half a century, and in the moment we were saved, maybe as a child or in college or as an adult, we were enthralled and excited that God would show us grace and that Jesus chose us to love us and to give us what he's earned. 
And over time, we begin to believe in our own works and actions. Well, I've done a lot for him. I've taught a lot of classes. I've given up a lot of indulgence in this world. And we begin to believe that we deserve it. And we see others outside of the church. We see others outside of God's community. And we begin to judge them for their life, for their indulgence, for their lack of obedience. Rather than seeing them as another sinful person in need of God's free gift of grace. We have an opportunity to be Jonah and to see the entire world around us as Nineveh, undeserving of God's grace in the same way that we are undeserving. And rather than being resentful, to be excited to preach to them the message of God's goodness and love in Jesus. Jesus teaches us in Luke 15 verse 10, a beautiful passage, in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. This is one line in three stories that Jesus teaches about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And what Jesus says is God is so excited when one lost child comes back to know him. You should put into your heart that same excitement, that same desire, that same passion to see his lost children come to know him. Jonah is a story of what it looks like when we begin to believe we deserve God's grace more than others. And when we lose our passion for the mission of reaching God's lost sons and daughters in this world. I don't know how the story of Jonah ends for him, how his life ends. I know how the story of Jonah in chapter 4 ends, and it ends sad and embittered. We have a choice to move our lives forward in joy and to take up the call of preaching the message of Jesus, preaching the love and mercy of our Savior, come to this earth to give his life for the sins of the world, to resurrect that we could have eternal life through him, and to celebrate that none of us deserve this, and to freely give it and share it with the world around us. As we read the Bible together, and as we allow the story of Scripture to share us, One of the things I love about the story of Jonah is that we can read the Bible and often people will say grace and mercy is really present in the New Testament, but I don't see it in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is about judgment and rule following and God seems really angry and violent. In the story of Jonah, in the early part of the Israelite kingdom, we are reminded that the God of mercy we see in Jesus is present all throughout Scripture. That God takes a violent kingdom and shares mercy and forgiveness to them. That God takes one of his disobedient children and makes him an instrument of grace, mercy, and love. And we're reminded of the most quoted verse in scripture, quoted again in Jonah, Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, where God is full of mercy and compassionate to a thousand generations. The entirety of scripture is about God's desire to reach his lost children with a message of grace, mercy, and love. Some of you may be watching this today and you may not have a relationship with Jesus. You may not know this God that we're talking about. And I wanna just be an instrument for you of sharing with you God desires a relationship with you. He brought Jesus to this earth 2,000 years ago to live on this earth, to teach, to die on the cross in the place of your death that his blood could cover you, and that you could take up the resurrection of Jesus and live in eternity with a God that loves you and has made you. And I wanna give you a chance today just to take one step forward in that relationship. If you'll pray this prayer with me today, 
Jesus, in this moment, we open ourselves up to you. God, we pray, like the Ninevites, God, we pray, unlike Jonah, Lord, that we receive your grace and mercy with a glad heart. That I believe, God, in your character. That you are a merciful God who has made me, who has shaped me with an eternal purpose. And that in my sin, you came and gave your life in my place. Jesus, I believe you lived on this earth as man and God in one. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and shame. And I believe you rose again from the grave that I could be with you for all eternity in the resurrection of Jesus. You gave your life for me. Today, I commit my life to follow you, to learn of your character. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If this is the first time that you prayed that, you're taking this first step, we would love to know that and celebrate with you. Just click the link with this video and we would love to follow up and pray with you. And thank you for joining us on this teaching of Jonah as we continue to invite the scriptures as a unified story, both human and divine, that leads us to Jesus Christ.